Good morning, Beacon Church. Welcome to another Sunday morning message. It's great to have you with us. If this is your first time, as always, you are more than welcome. We pray you'll be richly blessed as a result. Uh, I've got the dog helping me today for a change. And when I say helping me, she's helping me by keeping quiet, which is brilliant. Such a blessing. Um, in a moment, David Horrell will be uh, speaking from uh, the book of Luke in our Luke series. Uh, but before he does, uh, we've got a little bit more of uh, trailblazers for you. Another little treat for you. Um, we've had them over the past couple of weeks sharing um, a Bible story of the paralysed man holding the roof. And then last week, uh, we got to see their wonderful and hear their wonderful prayers. It was a real blessing. And um, today we've got a little bit more of a treat from them. Uh, we are family. It's Beacon Church is not just something we aspire to. It's something the Bible tells us we are. So we're trying to learn increasingly how to live that out, how to how to express that and, and to prove we are family, not just because we're told we are. It's a fact, but it's something to live up to. And uh, that's why we're just trying to make sure that trailblazers uh, are increasingly on our radar. We don't forget that you have the children in the corner. Um, we, we want them to be as much part of the church family as anybody else of any other age. And so we're going to see them in just a moment. They're going to do a craft show and tell, show some of the things they've been making in trailblazers that help them learn more about their wonderful Jesus. So let me hand over to them. Enjoy. This is about God. I love God and um, he loves me. This is about prayer, when you pray to God. This is when you pray, it means you pray to God. And what does it say on there? Um, this is my favourite one, what I did here. It says, to you make my heart believe in you. This is my score and um, I... And we got a story. I can tell you a story. It was a story about um the, a boy king that wasn't as all king as the queen and queen we have in our um, country, like the Uke. And uh, yeah, and he wanted to mayor, replace um um. Uh, fixed the temple because it was falling apart a little bit and people have been worshipping Jesus there for a long time so and while the le leaders were working they um um they found a hidden scroll um, and the um the um king read it and it was a good news scroll a bit about Jesus and God that was the story and Here's my scroll I made. Hello, Daddy. Oh. And what does your scroll say on it? Um, uh, I love God, and it's and it's a girl and a boy. I think that would be me. God, I would. This um this thing is about Jesus. Um, that it says that I love to be in my Father's house, in and my Father is. God and I like being in his house and that's what it's about. Show me it, turn it around. And this is inside. Cool, well done. Um, this is Jesus on the donkey. 
So what activities do you got there to make you happy? Um, play with cayenne, make up a craft, do some colouring, read a book, play a board game with someone. So you throw the paper yeah. and whatever it lands on, that's the activity, yeah? It just landed on read the book. Nice. This is reminding me of that um, we can pray to God about anything and that if we're scared that we can pray to him because he, he protects us. This is my um, prayer chart. It's where we put some prayers. I can't show you some though because I just got them out but um, I've got but this is my um, prayer chart. I decorate it with glitter glue and stamps and stuff. And what, what are the different prayer pockets? The different prayer pockets is happy and we forgot peace, so we had to do a happy and a please one. Happy and please and then the story one. And a thank you one because, and my had to write this one down so I you couldn't really understand that. And a praise one, just found prayers that we don't know any of know where to put in any of these so we just put them in wow. there probably and at the top there what's at the top this is where we no. get paper without a drawn on some of it so we write a prayer and put it in a pocket yeah we put it in the pocket this is meant to be reminding of that jesus died on the cross and that he rose again this is my easter picture and um it shows that there's the three crosses um and we made it like so we put um that on then we put the crosses on and then that then we put tissue paper on then um we stuck on this this outline bit then um it looked like this and where does it go um on the window like to show us? Um, yeah. Like that. Um, do you know what cross Jesus was on? The middle one. Thank you, Trailblazers. Wonderful stuff. Uh, it touched my heart. That was lovely. Um, let me pray for us and then I'm going to hand over to David. Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks to us, who who works uh, with us and in us, who walks beside us. Lord, we thank you that you're a God that no matter what age we are, you can turn our hearts to you, you can stir us and impassion us, and through the things we do and the things we talk about and the things we learn, we can get to know you more, which is something David will be speaking about in a minute. Lord, we thank you that you're a God that we can know. As a result of this morning, may we know you more. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for being a God who speaks to us that we might know you. Help us to do so. 
by Holy Spirit's help. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen and over to David. Morning everyone and welcome to Sunday morning. Um, where from wherever you are, you're welcome to join us this morning and trust that God will bless you and bless us all together as we worship and uh, as we listen to his word together. His word is very precious to us and it's another privileged time to be talking about Jesus and hearing what his word has to say to us. The passage this morning that we're going to read from is Luke 5. We're going to read the verses 29 to 39 in Luke 5, but in actual fact the passage for this morning is 33 to 39. So let's read, shall we, from verse 29 of Luke 5. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they said to him, The disciples of John fast often and offer prayers. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does... He will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new, for he says, the old is good. Well, last week, um, Bob left us with a thought that um, it's really good if we've got a passion for Jesus. But last week also, on our Zoom meeting, we had a rare treat, listening to the children, praying their prayers and uh, talking. And I suppose at some time each child was asked the question, what would you like to pray for? And although there may have been some suggestions from Mel or other parents, they were given the opportunity and dignity of making their own intentional and intellectual choice. You know, I love it as a baby grows and develops. Um, eventually, the, the little arm raises, and as the finger comes like this, either pointing to something, and uh, you try and work out what they're pointing to or what they're saying. And uh, it's usually something to which the child is attracted or pleased by, but it has captured their attention and wants to draw you into their space. Sometimes it takes a little while to figure it out. If it's a pet, well, it's easy to get it, isn't it? Then there are times when the same gesture is actually a question. They're trying to communicate, which takes 
even more thinking to work it out. Questions about life begin so early. What is that? Who am I? I like that. Those year, early years are just a flurry of questions, even to annoyance sometimes. The knowing and growing process, development of precious lives, the gift of life and so much more. Questions, 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 but in them are the building blocks of life. Our physical lives have parallels in the spiritual too and in discipleship, aspects of knowing and growing in our faith. The title for my message this morning is Knowing You, Jesus, Knowing You, There Is No Greater Thing. Sometimes people ask, what is it all about, this religion? But the whole essence of believing is that we come to know Jesus in all his fullness. So knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater things. What questions and answers teach us about his glory and passion for an estranged and broken humanity? In our reading today, we're introduced to two and a half questions, one and a half by the religious leaders, and one then by Jesus. You know, I was taught, uh, I was taught that you should never answer a question with a question, but Jesus did. We won't hold that against him. Not that the same principles applied then anyway. Jesus himself asked about 300 or so questions that we read about, and was asked by different people about 180 questions or so. Of those 180, there were many to which he didn't give a straight answer. And many he replied with a question, which is what he did in our reading today. There are some special reasons why he does this and he did that then. The first is the reason of love. You know, Jesus loves us too much to simply give yes and no answers. In Mark 10, the rich young man came to Jesus and asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Mark makes the comment about that. Jesus looked on him and loved him. And then he replied to his question. And I think Mark's comment is, some, is wonderful. As he looks at Jesus, he sees something deeper in Jesus than simple yes and no answers. There is a love that we can all know, and that love is found in Jesus. We see it in the questions he asks. The second thing we see is honour. When the religious leaders asked Jesus this complaining question, they were not paying him any compliment as a rabbi or honouring his superior knowledge. The very process of asking questions is a way of honouring human dignity. Jesus is doing this here with his own people as they had been given the great privilege to hold in custody the details, exactness and meaning of the scriptures. That's why we have our Bible today. 
However, as Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus highlighted, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? In that story and dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus, reason prevailed, questions and answers prevailed, honour prevailed, and eventually Nicodemus was drawn into discipleship through that experience with Jesus. The next thing we can think about is understanding. Our God is an understanding God. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Likewise with Jesus when he was here meeting with the people. He showed immense understanding of their deep needs and also their simple needs as well. Henri Nguyen was an ordained Catholic priest who, amongst other things, battled with his sexuality and the need to remain celibate. He said, finding the right questions is as crucial as finding the right answers. Also, the things we think about, worry about and spend time and energy on are in a large part determined by a world which seduces us into accepting its fearful questions. As you see many of the adverts on television, they're in a sense about fear. Fear that you might get dandruff, fear you might get a smell, or fear smells might invade your house and so you have to do something about it. So all around us we're asking those questions, determined by a world that's seducing us to accepting its fearful questions. By immersing himself in the biblical story of the prodigal son, Henri Nguyen found peace and understanding. And like the prodigal son, when he had come to himself, God graciously brings us to ourselves because he understands us. He understands us in every way. You know, as we read in Genesis in the Bible, the first question ever recorded in the Bible is when God asked Adam and Eve, where are you? It wasn't because he didn't know, but he wanted them to understand they weren't in the same place as they were before. They'd moved. They'd lost it. And by going their own way, they had lost their way. We understand lostness is due to a broken relationship we have with God. But God understands that, and he wants to draw us back to himself. Another thing we find in the, in the value of questions and answers is, from Jesus is freedom. Jesus looks out on his world and he sees a world imprisoned by this and that and fears and all sorts of things. And as Jesus pursued the deepest need of his inquirers, he was not interrogating them, but calling them to step into a place of freedom. It's like when our parents say or said to us, now you tell me the truth. If we lie, or we lied, it never gave us freedom. There's always another lie to cover up the previous one, and there's a sense of, uh, of imprisonment in, in that sense. You know, with my wife Margaret and me, she's always asking me questions. And sometimes I feel it's like interrogating me. Where are you going? What are you doing? When you're coming home, what are you going to do that? 
but it's not because she's interrogating me really. Sometimes it feels like it. But in a sense, she cares and she understands and wants to know that I'm safe. So this freedom. You know, when God asked Cain after he had killed his own brother Abel, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? That means, why are you sad? God might have said to him, well, you've got all Abel's sheep. Now, why don't you kill one of them? And he might felt that he was meeting, the, he found a way of justice in that, of meeting out his anger, but it didn't. You know, guilt is a spiritual brokenness which we cannot break away from unless we find the only way to break free from it. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus was trying to set his people free from empty form, traditionalism, and to experience the fullness of Jesus who said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The Emperor Nero played sport with Christians killing them in sadistic ways. He used to stick his fingers in his ears and scream, My God, why do these Christians sing? And as they died and had played sport with by Nero, they knew that they had an answer to their lives being expired. They had a freedom in that and they were able to sing. Let's look now at healing. Jesus' inquiries gently invade our privacy, not to expose our brokenness, but to heal. Heal our wounded spirits with his peace. Heal our relationships. Heal our fears. Heal our worries. If you remember that story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus after Jesus had risen from the dead, as he drew near to the disciples who thought that life and experience with him previously had ended, but through gentle inquiries, he led them back into the story again. Jesus pursues us if we wander off track. So let us allow the word of God with its questions and its answers and what it says to help us progress in our lives, to keep us in the story. Then after healing, we look about knowing him. And this is largely the one that wants to be drawn into knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. The questions Jesus asks are not to find out what he doesn't know about us, but to help us discover him in a deeper way and ourselves in a truer light. When Jesus introduced the word bridegroom into the dialogue, it was an explosive moment to those familiar with the scriptures. In Isaiah 54 verse 5, the prophet Isaiah, speaking to his fellow Jews, wrote, For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. For those Jews knowing the scripture, they said, what's going on here? He's calling himself the bridegroom. He's calling the one who has the bride 
is that arsehole, who is it? That was an explosive moment for them. Jesus was saying, I'm that God that Isaiah spoke about. I am the Lord Almighty. I am the Holy One of Israel, your Redeemer. I am the God of all the earth. What an explosive moment. Here, Matthew in the story, along with this large number of tax collectors and others, at a great banquet, was a bit like a wedding banquet in honour of Jesus. The point here is that despite knowing the scriptures, the religious leaders didn't know him. And we can know a lot about Jesus, but it's the important thing is knowing him. In John 17 verse 3, it says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's the goal of salvation, to know him, not simply to receive forgiveness and to be saved from hell. Knowing speaks of a personal, intimate, experiential encounter with him, like in a marriage. We read in Genesis, Adam knew his wife, talking about that sexual relationship, but it was the intimacy between them. And in a similar way, spiritually, we can be that close to God through knowing Jesus Christ. Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. So much so for coming to this point, do how much do we know Jesus and how much more do we want to know him? A quick look at fasting based on this question. Fasting was usually associated with prayer, never formalised in its own right, but was changed into a duty and requirement by the religious leaders as a self-made concoction to be seen as more holy. It became subsequently a burden to them and for the people whom they tried to make do it. For us today, we fast if and when the Holy Spirit leads us to do so, or because of a serious situation we might seek further guidance or instruction what to do. Fasting is not commanded and not forbidden in the Bible. Jesus might have replied, you know nothing about fasting. I did it for 40 days, struggled with temptation, and that's socially distanced as well. Just to conclude our passage this morning, this unusual and intriguing parable. Again, the religious leaders would have understood the metaphors of the garments and wine, like the metaphor of the bridegroom both of which would have had historical importance among the Jews. Jesus wasn't pat on the garment of Judaism, neither was he going to pour new wine into old wineskins that had been filled with a previous vintage in it, and the wineskin had outlived its original purpose. In the life and work of Jesus, it was quite clear that he was concluding what is known as the dispensation of the law and prophets, and inaugurating the dispensation of Jesus and the day of grace, the old and the new. The cross and Jesus' death upon that cross both finally did away with, with first and established the last. However, 
through the church is known the manifold wisdom of God, which hold fast together the old covenant and the new covenant as a single whole to which the whole world will discover God's unique and overall conclusion to a lost and broken world. Discovering this will either be to their loss or their gain. And I wonder for you which that will be. The most important question we can ask today is like when Peter stood up when the Holy Spirit came and he preached to them about Jesus and they said, what must we do to be saved? May God bless you and may we understand and come to the wonder of knowing Jesus in all his glory. Yes, that big question, what shall we do? As Peter replies uh, in the book of Acts, is about knowing Jesus. Uh, he tells the people when they ask that question, he says, repent, be baptised, receive Holy Spirit. To repent means to admit, admit your brokenness and turn to him for rescue. Be baptised is about living that new life out loud in public obedience, which includes baptism, and then receive Holy Spirit. That's God himself residing in us. That's how we can fully know Jesus. It's a decision, and it's stepping into a daily walk with him. Do not miss out. As I said right at the beginning, this is a God we can know. As David just said, this is a God we can know. You today can know the living God who made you and who loves you. Know Jesus. Turn to him. Live out loud that, that new life you can find in him that he's made available through his death on the cross, rising from the grave to give you that new life. You can know him. And that starts now. And if you want to know any more, there's an email address coming up in just a moment. We'd love to pray with you, talk it through with you. But right now, get on your knees, turn to him, admit your sin, accept him as your Lord, as your saviour. It is as simple and as profound as that. Please do get in touch. We'd love to get to know you and help you. Uh, those of us that do know Jesus already, may this stir our hearts into greater worship. There's a couple of songs linked to the video here to worship with. We'll do so in Zoom as well. Let's celebrate him and let's seek to know him more as we walk with him more. Have a blessed, blessed week and I'll see you soon.